You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. Focal passage is found in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 and through 36, and it should be on the screens. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You can all have a seat now. Hello, my name is Michael, I'm one of the pastors here, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Two real quick prefaces before we jump in and get going today. One, again, I just want to thank uh, the other pastors, Adam Hanauer, gosh, he labors a ton in life and um, leading his family and uh, keeping the corporate world alive and spinning and all those things. Uh, and, and so he, he preached a few weeks ago, and, and, and the Pastor Matt and, and Scott as well, they're on staff. But just to let you know, in just a couple minutes, my watch will tell me that it has detected a workout. And so, true story. I promise. So I said it to say preaching is, is laborious in the moment. And gosh, it, it, is, it is a labor week in, week out. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I still don't eat on Sunday mornings just because I'm like, yeah, you know, and so here we are. So thank you, men. Uh, you serve me well. You serve this church family well, and you serve the kingdom well, for real. Thanks so much. Uh, secondly, um, normally we preach through books of the Bible, and we do that on purpose because we don't have anything to say apart from God's word. Um, so we do typically Old Testament, New Testament, back and forth, and, and some, uh, you know, Sometimes it might take years to get through a book, and, and we kind of chop that up in different ways. But um, at times, we do that to let you know that the Word is the thing on which the church is built. Um, at times, we do thematic series in between. And I just want to let you know, even in those, we try to anchor into a text and, and what we would call uh, exposit a text. Um, but, but in this series, that's a little different. And so it's, it's tough to anchor these attributes of God in in a particular text, and so rather than, than uh, making God's, uh, a text in God's, words, in, in God's word clear and bringing it to bear, in this series, sometimes we'll bring about a concept about God that spans the scriptures, um, and so I just want to let you know, because that does make me a little uneasy when I'm just kind of hopping around all over the place, it's okay to do that, it's okay to do that in our personal study, it's okay to do that um, as we lead the church, it's just not normative, and, and we do that for a reason. So just wanted to let you know, would you pray with me, and then we will jump in and see what happens. I'm a little rusty. I'm four weeks out of this, so thanks for your grace. Father, thank you for the gift of your presence, that you're near for this church family, that we get to gather together, uh, that we get to know you. And, and Father, would you today, would you let us long 
for you? Would you let us long to know you? Would you let us long to know Jesus in the grace that, that, that comes in the relationship that we can have with you only through Jesus? Would you let us walk with the Spirit and just be mindful of all the ways that we might know you and live in light of who you are? Not just some future day in the new heavens and new earth, but beginning today, would you let us walk with you in, in boldness of belief and boldness in conviction in the way that we live holy lives and boldness in the way that we proclaim your good name, in Jesus' name, amen. So my wife is a gift giver, right? And what I mean by that is she spends too long uh, to find the perfect gift every time she buys a gift, right? And I'm all uh, Amazon gift card, right? Uh, year after year, Christmas time, I'm buying for the men on my side of the family, and I'm like, this is pretty easy, right? We'd, but she's all, you know, uh, 2014 spring batch lavender lilac candle because I remember the curtains had that color in Like, that's the way that she thinks. Um, but she's also thrifty. And so she's all, uh, we can't pay full price, so we, you know, have to scour every TJ Maxx in the Midwest to find what she's looking for. Right? A little marriage tip. That's not a problem. Okay? That is an opportunity for, for me to see God's generosity flow through my wife. A little marriage tip. That is a window into who she is. And so that brings about a certain amount of pressure for me when it's time to buy her gifts, right? And that's not from her to me, right? I just know that she values those things and I mess that up sometimes. But, but here's the thing. She's not high maintenance at all. And so she... she uh, so, so, so that, that's, that's a tip for you as you consider, maybe it's not the, the perfect gift giver, but all of those things that might like, uh, why? Well, ask why, why they do what they do, right? So anyway, some people, they're very difficult to shop for. Like, what do you get the one who has it all? That is the gift giver's dilemma, right? And the same is true for describing the nature of God. How can anyone describe the one who is beyond description? How can anyone comprehend the one who is beyond comprehension? In this text that, that Adam read as the focal text in Romans 11, I'm going to read it again. We're not going to tease it out, but, but in context, you know, this is talking about uh, the mystery of Israel's salvation, and, and, and Paul's writing uh, to the church at Rome, and he, he's saying a bunch of things, and then, and then kind of out of nowhere, he, he pulls and he, he quotes Isaiah 40, and this is what that is. And, and so we're not looking at the context of this, right? I know that's not how we normally look at Scripture, but we're looking at what he says and the truth that he says. And, and this is what he says. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. He's delighting in who God is. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. And we all use that word regularly, right? Inscrutable. You all know what that means. It means impossible to understand, impossible to interpret. It is beyond comprehension. And then he goes on, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. What is God like? Where does your mind go 
when you think about that. Who is he to you? Who are you to him? What is his nature? A.W. Tozer, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, which we will quote a lot over the next nine weeks, along with Jen Wilkins' book, None Like Him, and and some others that, that speak to the attributes in really helpful ways, he says this, he says, the child, the philosopher, and the religionist have all one question, what is God like? And you can imagine a child, hey, you know, mommy, daddy, you're talking about God, what, what is God like? And you can imagine the mom or the dad saying, well, honey, uh, uh, he, he, what, do you, what do you say? What do you say of him? And you can imagine the philosopher trying to, to boil down the nature and the essence and struggling. And you can imagine the religionist, right? Uh, who knows what that means, but I think maybe we are all that, right? Trying to figure out who God is and how we interact with him. All asking the same question, what is God like? And Tozer goes on to say, God is not like anything. That is, he is not exactly like anything. So we're taking 10 weeks to talk about the attributes of God that, that he is not like us. He is, and, and we, are, we are not, but today God is incomprehensible. That's what we're looking at today. The God of infinite mystery, that is the fullness of God, cannot be comprehended. And at first glance, that may come off as something that is unhelpful. Gosh, we can't, we can't know him? That, that doesn't seem very helpful. But I hope to lead us to understand why it's actually good news today. And I'll start with a, a main idea, and it's kind of threefold. Because God is incomprehensible, we can delight in what we do know. We can trust what we don't know. And we can live to know him. I want you to look at those three things. Because God is incomprehensible, we can delight in what we do know about him. We can trust the parts that we don't know and we can live to know him. And, and we'll look at this in kind of three points. And the first one is this, God cannot be known. Right? God cannot be known. And, and there's a, a caveat, but I want us to forget that just for a second. God cannot be known fully. But, but as we're looking at this, God cannot be known. This is the way uh, it reads in Job chapter 11. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? It is deeper than Sheol, which is uh, really deep. How about that? What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. I've heard it said that we know more about, you know, like, like uh, the, the nearness of, of outer space than we do the ocean floor. And what, what we read in Job is, is that, that God's measure is, is longer than the earth and it's broader than the sea. We cannot know him. In other words, God is infinite. That's what Pastor Scott preached on last week. And, and since he has no limit, and since we are indeed finite, we have limit We can never know God fully. That is to say, we will spend eternity, eternity forward, discovering who God is. And when 10,000 years have passed, and, and we couldn't possibly know him any better, we've only just begun to comprehend his immeasurable nature. 
That is a beautiful consideration. But for some, it might, it might pose a sincere problem. Because when we don't know someone, it's very difficult for us to have a vibrant, healthy relationship with them, right? Um, it's, it's certainly difficult to trust. You, you might think of a, of a college roommate, and you move in and you don't know each other, and then on day one, your relationship probably looks, for, for, for the good or, or for the bad, it probably looks a lot different than it does six months in when you've gotten to know each other and, and trust is established or it's not. Or I remember when, when uh, Kim and I were 19 years old and we were going through premarital counseling with our pastor. And I remember him saying things like this. He, he said it repeatedly. Like he said, you know, when you get to know each other, then da 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 And I remember like arrogantly like looking at Kim like, does, does he not know we've like been together for five years? You know? Like... What, what more can we possibly know? I remember leaving those counseling sessions like, yeah, that was good or whatever, but like, we know each other, right? And so, uh, I, I can't, we'd be liars if we said that he wasn't right in his assessment. Um, the reality was, we barely knew ourselves, and we, we knew one another well, and we had a, a great relationship, but we barely knew ourselves at, at 19, and, and, and differences come to light, and unknowns become known, and, and that's still happening. We've been married for 18 or something years now, right? Give or take. I think that's right. Um, but, but in time, because of the highs and because of the lows, we, we've navigated together. We know and we trust one another, I think, more than ever. The reality is in healthy relationships, time together, it, it brings trust in one another. Or it, it doesn't. Or time together brings mistrust as you begin to know things that were at one time unknown or things that were hidden. So, so to think that we could trust God without knowing him fully, it seems difficult. Yet, he cannot be fully known. So here's the deal. God has secrets. How does that make you feel when I say that? God has secrets. Or as one I read, uh, one says it this way, it seems a little more jarring. God has a private life. That makes me uncomfortable. God has secrets. He, he has a private life. And if, and if we can't handle that, then, then, then I want us to consider where the internal conflict comes from. My guess is it's that we are uh, assuming and we are assigning. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, we were fishing in, in northern Michigan at the very top. Like, you know, pure Michigan, Tim Allen's voice, all the things, right? It's, it's beautiful up there. And so we're fishing. It's, it's my family, and it's the Shorts, and Josh and Jess, and their family, and, and their uh, Kim and Jess's parents, Tim and Debbie. And, and, and we're like on several boats, right? right next to each other, and, and it's evening, and we, we're just kind of drop line or maybe with a bobber or whatever and casting out just a few feet, and, and just within, like, no time at all, you see, you know, the, the bobbers bob, and, and then the worms are, are nibbled and devoured, and, and tensions kind of rise a little bit 
in the boat. There was no cussing at this point, right? I don't know what happened later on, but, but like tensions were, like in short order, those fishing found themselves kind of declaring war against whatever it was that was below. Because, bite, 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 bob, 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 reel in, Nothing, not, not even anything on the hook. The worm was gone time and time again. And, and I'm not saying my brother-in-law, he's not here, so I wouldn't talk about him. I'm not saying he was the worst, but he was like visibly angry at, at this point. He's like, and so he begins to declare things like, like I'm going to get him, right? Like, I'm going to get this sucker. You know, he, he keeps taking my worm, and, and everyone's just tense. You know why? Is it because, because we begin uh, ass- assuming in assigning vindictive behavior from whatever it was that was coming against us. We knew that they were like, you know, like the fish were swimming around like, hey, yeah, no, not that one. Yeah, get that one. Yeah, he's the sucker, right? That's what it felt like. It's like literally these fish are out to get us. That probably wasn't true. I'm guessing they were just small and they were just nibbling the worm. And I mean, maybe they were doing their best not to get caught, but I, I bet that wasn't even it. They just had access to the worm, and like we put the worm on wrong, right? But we assigned and we assumed, right? We begin to do that, and we do that with, with all kinds of things that we don't know, things that are below the surface that we can't see. We, we assume and we assign. We project our unknown onto the situation as a slight against us. We assign malicious, deviant, hurtful character to those around us. If we find out that, that someone whispers and we're near them, then we just assume what? They're talking about us. You know that they are. And we do the same thing to God. We assign to him a secret life. If we hear that, then it must be malicious. It must be deviant. It must be hurtful towards us. So when, when you hear me say that, that God has a private life, you assume the secrets are bad secrets. Like, like when have you ever read the headline about a senator that, that says, oh, the, the senator's secrets, the, their secret life is finally exposed and come to find out, man, they've been generous in giving to the local orphanage in a way that, no, that never happens. It's always bad. But this is not new. This is not new in the relationship between God and man. In fact, the first sin of humanity was just the same. That Adam and Eve, they, they, they were created in the image of God, and they were created trusting him, and, and, and he knew something that they didn't know. And he said, uh, do not eat from this tree, and everything else is yours. You can name it. it it's yours to, to work and to keep. Me and you we're doing this, but, but look, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent comes along and he says, gosh, so God's holding something back from you, huh? Well, no, it's not that. It's just, well, I mean, it, is, it does look good to eat. But why, why would God not want you to know something? That seems like a little shady. Maybe you should go ahead and eat anyway. Well, he, he said if we do that, then we will die. Well, will you surely die? It's the same thing. They couldn't just trust God because he knew something that they didn't. And so we come from a long line of people falling into the same trap. And, and they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thus breaking creation as we know it and unleashing sin and its demand and its wage and its judgment upon all creation. God cannot be fully known. So what do we do? We can imagine and construct God. That's what we do. If we don't like something, we get a new one 
and we treat God the same way. Everyone does this. We dismiss the notion of creator in general. Because if no one made me, then I am my own God. We dismiss the idea that we could be created. We neglect him altogether. We build a God who suits us and affirms our every thought, our every word, our every deed. We begin to justify to ourselves why we can do anything that we desire to do. And when we do, we make God, this is what the Bible teaches, in our image. And that comes at a cost. There are problems when we do that. Tozer goes on, he says, if we insist upon trying to imagine him, hey, God is, ah, like, and and you interact with people who just kind of a la carte their interaction with God, and I think that God, and no, the God that I love wouldn't do that, and he wouldn't, so, so we begin to imagine him, he says, if we insist upon trying to imagine him, we end with an idol, and that is anything that replaces God as God. And in in the Bible, we see people fashioning statues out of metal and stone and bowing down and worshiping them, which just seems, that doesn't make any sense. You you made that. Why Why would you worship that? And yet, that's what we see. Tozer says, we end with an idol made not with hands, but with thoughts. And an idol of the mind is as offensive to God as an idol of the hand. Knowing of God or fashioning a God or, or believe in something, that's not the thing. Even though our culture would say, gosh, that's great. You, you believe that? As long as you believe in something, that's really good. That's also a lie. That's also not true. It's believing what is true about God and living in light of who he really is. And so we long to reduce God to something manageable, understandable, relatable. And, and, and when we get him there, then we can begin to use him, control him, or at least know where to find him when he might be the only one who has what we think that we need. So we struggle when we don't know, when we can't contain or comprehend the reality of God. The second thing is this. God has made himself known. God cannot be known fully, and yet God has made himself known. Have you ever had to explain a really complex concept to someone? Or maybe you've had a really complex concept explained to you. I I saw this this morning, and I was also on the other end of it a few weeks back. I asked Richard, our our sound guy, hey, Richard, I know, you hate me, it's okay. Um, He doesn't hate me, he just, whatever. Maybe he does. He does at this point, it's okay. So so I asked Richard, uh, hey, like, can you tell me something? I asked him about the soundboard or whatever, and because... To be fair, like there are a lot of people serving in lots of ways to make all of these things happen. That's just been a real gift to our church. Richard is one of those people. And so there, there are outputs, right, for the house sound, and there's also a live stream output. And so we're learning. And I was just asking a, a couple questions. Now I have some like understanding of, of sound stuff, inputs, outputs. Like I, I understand the, the, the core concept. Our mixer is a little complicated, and, and then like in, in about 30 seconds as Richard was talking, I, I think my brain looked like that emoji with like the brain exploding out of the head, because I was just like, wow, that is, 
huh. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've, you've had to explain, you know, a, a math concept to someone or, or you've, you've heard a, a child say to you, Hey, what is one, seven, a billion, hundred, million, thousand, seventeen, forty-two times, and then another number that you're just like, hold on, I'm going to need to write this down because I have no idea what you're saying right now. Or, or maybe you went to an open house and you come back and you're like, hey, man, this house was sweet. The outside looked like this, and then you walk in, and then you, this is how it goes, right? And you turn to the left, well, no, 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 you turn to the right, and there's this, this entryway there, and as you walk through it, and then you go in there, and then the kitchen, it's kind of, and then like the person just like, you see it, we, we see that you see it, but I, I don't see what you're saying, right? And so you, you might say something like, could, could you, could you write it, that, could you draw a picture, can you write this thing down, and, and so, um, Here's the thing. As we consider who God is, God does this for us. He, sh- he shows us who he is. And this is the way it shows up. I'm going to read like uh, a few verses. I think there's going to be a screen uh, on the screen, these references. You can take a photo or whatever of these if you want. I'm going to read uh, a bit of them. So John 1.1, this is just real quick. Uh, this is what Pastor Adam preached on. Um, so if you're curious about this, then check out the the podcast or or video from a few weeks back. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, so we see in the beginning there was the Word. And then later on in John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh. So, okay, the Word is not words. It's actually kind of like the essence of God. Okay, and that was always there. And then we see it actually put on flesh, right? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see that the one who has always been was actually the Son, all right? Um, a few verses later, John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. So this incomprehensible God, we cannot possibly conceive, and yet, God makes Himself Known And as we read on in John 14, Jesus kind of interacts with, with our thought process. He says this, uh, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? So you imagine Philip saying like, Hey, hey Jesus, this has been really fun, man. When are we going to get to see God? And Jesus is like, <laughs> Philip. For real? Have, like, we've been together for a long time, and, and, and you still don't get it? He said, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? What's God like? Are you beginning to get the picture? Paul tells us in Colossians that, that Jesus is the image of, of the invisible God. Now, I don't think that God has like a cloak of invisibility and he's like lurking around. We just can't. And yet, in Jesus, God has made himself known the image of the invisible God in the writer of Hebrews. It's rich, but, but Hebrews 1.3, he says, He is the radiance of the glory of God 
and, and this is Jesus, the exact imprint of God's nature. So the difference between my rough rendering of a floor plan on a napkin and, and Christ embodied to reveal God is that the napkin is not a house. But Jesus Christ is the Lord. That napkin, that rough sketch will, will never look like the actual house. And yet, we see in Jesus that, that if we know him, we have seen the Lord. God, lofty and incomprehensible, took on flesh and he dwelt among us that we might know him and that, that we might be known by him. That we might trust him, God, creator, restorer, redeemer, sustainer, came to suffer as we suffer. And he came to overcome sin's enticement. And he came to defeat death. And he came to walk with and depend upon the Spirit just as we have opportunity to do. To trust the Father enough in every moment, with every breath, with every motive of his being, Jesus was obedient to the Father at every step. So as incomprehensible the full nature of God is, he came that we might know him, the real him. I read an article from Ligonier, and it, and it says this, right? If we want to know what God is like, we must look to Christ, for Christ is God in, incarnate. That means he is him in flesh in bodily form. Divine patience, divine love, divine wrath, divine holiness. We get the fullest picture of these in Jesus. Today, we see something of God's glory by faith as we trust in Jesus. And one day we will see this glory in its fullest sense insofar as we are able as creatures to see his glory. For on that day, we will view Christ by sight and not merely by faith. But that does not mean we get no true glimpse of God's glory now as we look to Christ. And as we grow in our knowledge of Christ, we'll also grow in our longing to see the fullness of the divine glory. And I remember when, when Twitter first came on the scene, and that, like, brought with it, you know, much uh, other social stuff. But, but Twitter was like the thing that, that allowed uh, the commoner interaction with celebrities. And I remember like thinking like, wow, you get to, it's, it's like the veil of inaccessibility was removed. Um, you get to interact with celebrities. And I know many, like I know some of you who have, who have shot something out on social media and, and gotten a response from someone with, you know, millions of followers and that's really cool. But, but here's the deal. God, he has a slightly larger platform than any celebrity that you can ever conceive. And he has descended his ivory tower. He has torn the veiled curtain. He has come to make himself known. And he didn't just graciously respond to some fan mail or, or like or reshare or, or respond to a tweet, but, but he came to be known, to reveal the nature of God and kingdom, to know what it was like to walk in our shoes, to, to lay down his life that we, that is all who call upon his name, 
might receive true and eternal life and the forgiveness of sins in his name alone. God has made himself known. God incomprehensible, the God of infinite mystery. He breached the gate of heaven and he came down to be a man and he's made himself knowable. And what we discover is that he is deeply compassionate. He is humble and lowly. He is friend of sinners. He is hope to the outcast. He is restorer of the broken. God has made himself known and today he delights for you to know him, to trust him to lay down your life and pick up the life that he gives us in him alone. The last point is this. God wants to be known by you. God wants us to know him. The, the anthem of this series is this infamous quote, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And this is true because the way that we perceive God, it, it shapes the way that we perceive everything else, including ourself, starting with ourself. The way that we interact with, the way that we consider, whatever comes to our mind when we think of God, it changes the way that, that we look into the mirror and see ourselves. It changes the way that we interact with those nearest to us. It changes the way that we interact with those who, who couldn't look more different than we are. It changes the way that we interact with all of creation, the way that we know and see God. Have you ever heard, you know, art critics, like real art critics? I mean, not like the kind on the internet or not like you and me saying, that painting's terrible. But like, but real art critics, like, it, it always comes back to the artist as they look at something. They're not talking about the painting so much as they're, they're, there's always the intrigue or the Mona Lisa. It's always like there's backstory and there, there's conspiracy stuff, stuff about what, what was going on when that happened. It always comes back to the artist. What was she expressing in what she was trying to do? Or, or what was he intending by, by that brush stroke or by that smirk that she wears? What life events were happening when this piece was, was painted or, or produced or, or sculpted or spun? And what we learn from God's word is that we are the pot and that he is the potter. Certainly we can know things of God revealed through the creation around us. And he tells us that. We can know him by who we are. But even more, we cannot know ourselves unless we know God. If we acknowledge God as creator and, and everything else is created and humans in the image of God, it would only make sense to know that we cannot know ourselves without knowing something of the nature of our creator. In fact, God gives us purpose. We cannot know why we exist without knowing by whom we exist. This is really important. We cannot, we cannot understand what it means to, to thrive in humanity without understanding why we were made or, or for what purpose we were made or, or by whom were we made. The Westminster uh, Catechism says that man's chief end is this, 
to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, if I, if I ask you, hey, what's, what's the most important thing in relation to, to the way that we interact with God? W- would that be your response? To, to glorify him. That means that, that I am wrung out of myself. I have, I have no interest in, in making a name for me or a platform for me or showing others how great I am or not feeling like a fool ever. But everything that I do, I do in, in, in faithful obedience to what he has showed us best. And in my life, I live to give God glory. And secondly, to enjoy him. Is that the way that you think of God? That you might enjoy him? For, man, like highest on the list that we get to enjoy who God is? Because if I'm being honest with you, when I forget what Jesus has accomplished for us, when I forget that, that God delights in me because he delights in the, the perfect work to, of his son, not in the work of my own hands. When I forget that, then I thank God and anger God. I cannot comprehend him. And all the things that I, that, that I don't know, they're, they're probably against me because look at the work of my hands. Look at where my thoughts go and the way my heart unravels in rebellion against him. That is not true. When we know the the gospel, the good news, that that Christ has made God known, and when we fail him, he doesn't run from us. He runs to us, and he wants the same thing for you and for me, that, that no matter what, we get to delight in who he is all the days of our life, not just in the new heavens and the new earth, but today, that can be my highest prize in my, my interaction with God, that, that I can delight in him. See, God, uh, he reshapes who we are, and he remakes who we have been, and he reforms who we can be. The psalmist cries out, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me into the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See, here's the thing. That's not about God knowing us. That's about knowing that God knows us better than we know us. Search me, O God, and would you let me know what you know? Would you show me the dark places, the broken places in me, where I'm not delighting in you, where I'm not living for your glory? God, would you show me? Would you test me? You know, God. Would you show me about me in the ways that I don't live for your glory and I don't find my life a joy because of who you are? I I heard a guy this week telling uh, of his time engaging with a a, a Greco-Roman pagan, right? There was this guy that he was interacting with. It was, it was on a podcast that he went on. It's this Old Testament scholar. And he's, he's interacting with, with this guy about Greek gods and Roman gods that this guy, like, worshipped. And, and this guy's telling him of the one true God. And, and finally the guy says, so, so what does your God want? And I think that is a great question that we should be able to answer. On the spot, he boiled down all that we know to be true about God, and he said, 
God wants a family, right? And we know that God does not have need for a family. God does not want a family because he has a void in him. And the Father, Son, and Spirit, that, that is not true. But, so it's not for him, but for us. He delights to invite us in. And, and we see it, the, the word specifically, cover to cover. I say this all the time, but, but God being God and we being his people. That's what God's desire is for his family. Well, I'm sharing all this stuff with a friend that I saw in a coffee shop this week. And, hey, what are you preaching on? We were both working there and whatever. And on the way out, what are you preaching on? And I said, oh, God, incomprehensible. Oh, that's, and so, you know, this and he cannot be known and all this. And this is what my friend, it was, it was Todd Dickin. What Todd said was, man, that, that's incredible that God is incomprehensible. And yet, he treats our relationship as a marriage, that we get to be united in Christ to the Father, and, 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 and we, get to, we get to live this life together eternally with all of God's people, right? And in and, and this unity in Christ, we get, to, we get to live together with our groom, Jesus, eternally forward. It's incredible, that, that, that's the incredible thing about the goodness of our incomprehension of the fullness of God. Right? He, isn't, he isn't slowly going to wear at us as we get to know him. He isn't, in time, uh, his bad habits won't rise to the surface. We're not going to find out that, that when he brushes his teeth, he gets toothpaste on the mirror, or that when he trims his beard, they get all over the sink. Right? We're not going to find out that he puts the toilet paper the wrong way, and there is only one way, as we all know. Um, and, and he's not going to find out, we're not going to find out of him as we discover the unknown of God that, that he throws his socks next to the hamper, or that he, he lacks organization, or that he's a micromanager, or that he eats with his mouth open, or that he leaves the kitchen cabinet doors open, or that he gets a, uh, angry at the kids too easily, or that, that he will just slowly drift apart. And his love for his bride will wane. We will not find those things out about God. That's not the part of God that we know, and it isn't the, the unknown. See, in healthy relationships, time together brings trust in one another. And, and our relationship has always been about God's faithfulness to us, and it's never been built upon our faithfulness to him. To God be the glory for that. So, so with God, our fear of the unknown, it's, it's just the opposite. Uh, it, it is an, an eternity of discovering the depth of the good, rich, infinite mystery of who God is. And we get to do that with all who, who, who call upon an his name, with all who trust him, and we get to continue, or for some, maybe even today, we get to begin this relationship with him, not just someday far off in the future, but, but right now, we get to commit to make the most important thing in our life to know the incomprehensible God. So what is God like? Well, we do not know, but, but what he has made known we can know, and those things we call the attributes of God.
We get to respond. We get to delight in what we do know. We get to trust in what we don't. We get to live to know him. The band's going to come up. You can pray right where you are. There's a prayer bench over there. My wife and I will be back there. We would love to pray with you. Would you join me in, in praying? Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that, that there are things about you that we don't know. Thank you that, that we get to spend eternity figuring out what those things are. God, that, that you are so magnificent in, in all of the attributes that we're going to look at that we literally can't wrap our brain around who you are, and yet you came low that we might know you, that we might walk with you, that we might trust you. And, and today, God, would you let us do that? By the nearness of your spirit, by the, by the grace and the mercy earned by Jesus. May we live lives that glorify you and may we enjoy you forever in Jesus' name. Amen.